Okay, welcome to the Alliance Studio. My name is Jennifer Tofayono. I'm the Executive Director for the American Samoa Alliance Against Domestic and Sexual Violence. We're here on our first live ever podcast. Yay. So, I know, I know, yay! <laughs> I'm so excited to start this. We've been talking about uh, doing this, and I have here with me uh, Maluseo Doris Tulifau, who's the founder of Brown Girl Woke. That's a nonprofit agency that is in Samoa, the island, the beautiful, lively island of Samoa, our sister island. Mm -hmm. And part of the things that she does is she, her organization does social change. It's a social change agency, and they're focused on working with the youth. Yes. So I want to welcome Doris here. Thank you. Hey. I feel very welcome. Hello, everybody, and Alliance first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things, I mean, if we can just get right into it, um, I know that you're from California and you've transplanted yourself to Samoa. How long has it been since you've moved over? I left in 2017. Okay. And um, the reason why I came, when I first came, I was going to school at University of Hawaii, trying to start this PhD that looks like they'll still start <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know how that feels. I'm still trying to do mine. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so I came up with this idea because I do. I am a survivor of domestic violence and sexual abuse. And um, I've been doing conferences. I've been doing my organization. wasn't It didn't start until 2015, but I've been doing the work since 2010. Mm. And I was always just a speaker at events, always doing workshops, always putting, um, just doing it at schools at my university yeah. that I went to. So I went to Sac State. So I did conferences and always just put Sac State Pacific Islander Conference on different things. Until I went to the real world, I realized oh, I can't use my financial aid to fund my <laughs> conferences. <laughs> oh, you have no, to use real money. Yeah, real money. Not monopoly, <laughs> yeah. but real money. And that's when I realized that I needed grants. So I started mm -hmm. Brown Girl Woke because oh, to do this awesome. work, you need to put your name under the, the, all the stuff you did. Yeah. And for like five years, I yeah. just kept putting it under my, my school. But never under me. But it was always me doing the work. So that that was like a wake up call. Yeah. Adulting. Is that part of the woke part? <laughs> yeah, it was part of the woke. Well, it came during that time. That was the trendy word. Yeah. Like everybody was like, "Stay woke," and it was something that was like, "Yeah, I want I want our people um, to be woke as yeah. well." Because there was like black black girls get woke and all these other nationalities. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna say brown girl," but because I'm Samoan, it puts a face on it. Yeah. That makes sense. I, there's been a lot of conferences that I've gone to, and when we talk about some of these social change issues, and we identify in our Pacific Islands, particularly living here in American Samoa, there's a lot of things we aren't woke about. And I know it's old, but it's it's very prevalent in the meetings I do now, mm -hmm. which is October 17, 2019. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I should have done that at the beginning, but... Hey, we're, hey, we're in there. We're, Everybody, it's Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday, October 17, 2019, and we are woke. <laughs> no, I think it's a good, you know what, um, and that's why I wanted to make sure the accountability on our people, because mm -hmm. I was in the university for so long, and there's not a lot of us, you know, you went to university, I mean, you went to USC, Yeah. so, you know, yeah. percentage is probably all the football players, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> so was. even for myself going um, to Sac State, yeah. um, it was hard for me to get Pacific Islanders that was going on campus because we all had five jobs and yeah. other things going on. So I went into the high schools 
and the high schools was easier for me to bring to the conferences. And that idea, I still take it, brought it to Samoa and American Samoa. Well, and then I remember also that you, your your bachelor, your other degrees anthropology. Right? Yes. So that's probably helped a lot of the work that yes. you've done. And the history of like, because I've always wanted to understand like, why is it so prevalent in our culture? Yeah. And is this like, it's almost, you almost feel like everybody has the same story. Like it's like, uh, I forget what you call it, but like um, something that we all got to go through. Yeah. And it's like, it shouldn't be. that shouldn't be something we have to go through but it's such a common story like you at least have five for myself I have five cousins that have the same story as me and every time I spoke at different events everyone had a story for someone if it wasn't their own story and you think the stories are similar definitely from different places you've been in Samoa and California Mm -hmm. and the stories are still the same no matter where we're at as Samoans we are yeah, even New Zealand. I mean, I got to speak in New Zealand as well. Yeah. And speaking in Samoa, a lot of people are from Australia and New Zealand anyways. So they have the same stories. But I'm already going to New Zealand and nothing has changed. And it's prevalent around the, a lot of the Pacific Islanders. You see and minority groups, you'll see that there's sexual abuse. There's domestic violence in these communities that hide behind the either the shame of it or definitely they've normalized it. And it's really important that we're aware of that. That's why I really like your anthropology degree. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people try to go into business or these uh, degrees that they think that will have, that have established Mm -hmm. uh, sets of institutions where you can automatically go in and get a a job. But if you don't understand the histories or the reasons why people do things, then when you come in to do nonprofit work and try to make change in the community, it becomes a little difficult, yeah? Yeah, and it, it is a lot of people understanding, like, to empathize. And every time I put that in, that and it's, it, feel, it feels basic, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. And I can tell you, kind yeah. of old school song, because yeah. I was raised in the 70s, and it's like, you talk about what's going around, who's doing what, who's doing, and you're and you're relentless about it, and you're not kind. Yeah, (laughs) you know, we definitely have had those moments where we say, well, we don't want you to be like that person. And then we revel on their bad behavior. And that becomes the model for something not to do. And we shouldn't be like that. We should be providing affirmations and praise for the work we do now. Yeah, I remember being like a young girl and my my older cousins would get pregnant and all of a sudden I would get in trouble. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with me. And I was like, probably 12 or 13 and I remember my mom oh you want to be like that yeah. I'll run you over and your baby it's like wait <laughs> how I, is uh, she pregnant <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm getting run over <laughs> I know I know it's it's really interesting to understand where our parents minds go uh-huh. but I think a lot of that was fear mm-hmm. you know they were fearful to uh, do a lot of things even with the discussions we have around here we, we weren't allowed to go and stay at other people's homes mm-hmm. you couldn't spend the night you had to know who these people were because they were fearful of what would happen and i think they were fearful of abuse mm-hmm. there was all this sexual assault happening but we wouldn't talk about it and so they they tell you don't go you can't sleep here you can't go there but they don't explain why and i'm not sure if they had the voice to explain why yeah it's, it's, and they just, I think they think that if they don't tell their next, like their children, that it might not happen to them. 
Like yeah. they'll be safe. I'll take whatever will happen to me and then just make sure they're sheltered. And we know that's part of my story as well. Yeah. With my mom um, also being abused by her uncle. She didn't tell me to later on, probably like just a few years ago. And I've been doing yeah. this for 10 years. And I just like stare at her and just think, man, mom, if you just told me instead of making me go through this on my own, just why couldn't you tell me what type of men, especially men in our family, to watch out for instead of just sheltering me, not allowing me to go out, not, you know, being yeah. a crazy strict mom. Yeah. But there's always reasons why. Yeah, you don't realize it until you're older. But I think if it was explained a little more mm-hmm. as to why you're not allowing me to go out and spend the night with my friend, well, I, I don't let you go out because there's been too many stories of sexual assault, of mm-hmm. being in other people's homes. So I want to keep you home keep you safe but it's not explained yeah. in that way or even like do you know the father yeah. i didn't meet him you know you watch those movies yeah. and, and like we always say the balani idea it shouldn't be a balani idea it should just, just be, be human normal. like idea like yeah, let yeah, me meet human. your parents let me know your the father yeah. so you can see my face i'll be like yeah don't mess with my child yeah coming over that's crazy yeah but and going back to why i moved to samoa so i moved to samoa because it's so prevalent everywhere I went, everywhere I was speaking at. I wanted to go to Samoa where our culture is every daily, land. to the motherland where it's daily. Because I like I only seen my Samoan community and the, you know, anybody that abused me was during my church time. Mm. That was only what church is only once a week, yeah. with the weekend. So every time I went to church, that's the only time I seen I mean living in America. Every other day was with my friends that are like every other race. But the weekend was always for church and culture yeah. and my people. Yeah. And that was the only time I would get sexually assaulted, abused, that's I was molested. Crazy. All in that same community that's only with me for a weekend. And I, it's crazy that I've never went against being Samoan or blaming it. Yeah, I've always loved there's a pride. And I think it's just because I was silent about it and mm-hmm. just looked at everything else. So with that idea, I was thinking, man, how is it in Samoan when every day is your yeah. Samoan community? And then when I moved here and seen like the cases are like triple the amount that happens, you know, we don't have data anywhere really, yeah. but going there and you open like the newspapers and watch TV. Every, every week there's a story. Every week there's a every story week. there. Yeah. In the courts, there's stories. It's like, crazy. Yeah. Because here in American Tom, it's the same thing. The only blessing that I have uh, here is that we are now understanding it's a good thing they're reporting because they weren't reporting. Mm-hmm. And recently the stories here have been that the child who's sleeping at a relative's house gets sexually assaulted. They get up, they go tell, look for their family person. They're not with their mother. And what, a couple of the stories have said that they've gone and talked to the grandmother and explained. And the grandmother, Gulies, tells the person to leave. And then that's the end of it. But it's when the child goes back home, reports it to the mom, and then the mom comes and sends them out or or connects with the police and lets them know about what's happening. And so it's kind of, I'm glad that the mothers are becoming more proactive, but before nothing was being said. It was always somebody found something or the child was found running down the street. That was a year ago. The children were running away from this predator and the cops found them. And a lot of times it was more so that they were caught in the act. But now the story is the mothers are reporting, which is grateful. I'm grateful for no, that. No, that's good. And people always ask that. Every time I go to a conference, they're like, why are more people reporting? Well, boy, we have more agencies. 
we have more people to go woke. to. Yeah, because we're woke. <laughs> yeah, we are woke. We are getting woke. Yeah. So that's how I. That's why I want to come Samoa, because in my mind, a lot of the people in America that a lot of the Samoan community that I knew that had the same stories as me, it's like they had the same thing. They were only going to mm-hmm. church, family during like. I mean, you're only there for so long. Yeah. Like, how is it that we're all still getting the yeah. same? It's only in our in our community. So I was wondering, it must be something with our culture. Yeah. So I wanted to come back to Samoa and research more. It wasn't, I mean, we still don't have data, like I said. Yeah. But um, just because we don't have data, I have a lot of people there that I've mentored and talked to mm-hmm. and just keep on learning and learning and learning. Well, the other part of you coming back, because I came back after years of, leaving mm-hmm. the island what was it like working with the community it was <laughs> i always say it was my jesus walk <laughs> my dad always says you are not jesus <laughs> well i must be something because i'm still here because <laughs> i resurrected this year <laughs> <laughs> i know our people i love our people yes. i just love them but you know they definitely can yeah help us to grow stronger i know <laughs> they know they know the words and they know how to get to you quickly it was very hard for me. All the doors were closing. And I used to think, man, all I'm trying to do is get free work. Because yeah. I, I came for four months and I was supposed to go back. Mm-hmm. came in four months and I don't know how anybody could come in four months on the research and do anything. Or especially come back to Samoa. And that was a reality check for me. Because yeah. I thought I could come for four months, do as much research, get the data I needed. For, I, in my crazy mind that, you know, internet was fast. Going to this <laughs> amazing <laughs> library in Samoa. <laughs> Nothing was like that. Everything was closed. There was, yeah, it was just a reality check. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to come back. So my first four months was amazing because everybody in Samoa knew I wasn't coming back. Yes. Now, when I came back, that's when everybody was like, no, no, no. You can only come for your little four months. You know what I mean? Like to show, but if you're coming to stay, now it's a different story. So when I came back, the same doors that were open to me weren't open to me anymore. Wow. Why do you think that is? I think just because... They showed me just what they wanted to show me mm-hmm. that first four months, you know, yeah. just like the facade of we're helping the people, you know what I mean? This is it. But me staying longer, they couldn't fake the facade that long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> you but- can only be only a few months and be like, okay, we're, we're trying to do work now and you're going to come back. So I only got to see like the or- organizations, they only got to show me what they wanted to show me. There wasn't ever things that I wanted to do. They always put me in the corner and the... Like, oh, you could look at these files and read people's files. And that was about it. But now that you've been there a little longer, have things changed? Yeah, no. That's why this is my Jesus walk. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm resurrected. (laughs) So now everything's changed. Like, I think, so when I first came, you know, they were like, oh, she's only here for a semester. Mm -hmm. Came back. I think people thought that I might be touching people's grants and stuff like that mm. because of the work I do. And yeah. there's so much funding in Samoa, especially against violence against women. There's so much funding. It's crazy the amount of funding. But I never touched any funding from for Samoa, yeah. like as a local agency. I am registered for Samoa, but just so I could make sure people know I'm legit. That's why I got the registration. And um, the longer that I work, they realize that I'm not here for money. That I'm yeah, actually here that's... to change, like... I actually want to give back to Samoa. I think it's hard because I look like them and we're so used uh, to, you know what I mean? Everybody distrust. else. Yeah, distrust your own people. I kind of wonder what that's about. You know, I, I, I know that sometimes um, the partnerships are a little harder to develop. And I wonder a lot if 
because we're a small island and there's limited resources that they might think, oh, well, you might try to encroach on what's mine mm -hmm. versus understanding that if we build collaborations and partnerships, it would be. Oh my gosh, we'd be amazing. <laughs> we would have ruled the world, right? That's what my dad always says. Like when you, you know, living in America, mm -hmm. you see like you know Indian families when they migrate, they all live in one house and they yes. all help each other build their businesses. Yes. And then boom, you will never see that for our community. We will never find a way just to put one person up and then wait to the next person, the next person, uh, the next person. I hope it's not true. No, I know. I hope it changes. I just think it's. The pride that we have, we don't ever want mm. help. We want to make it on our own, especially when we like migrate. Yeah, because it's out. hard to make changes if we're if that's what our community is mm -hmm. about. I have, you know, I haven't. Um, I do know in coming into this work, it's a new feel for me, and um, people have been gracious and kind. But I'm only in my third year, right? And so, I've been one to be much more proactive about collaborations and partnerships. And I do agree with you that there are people that are closed off and it's, gosh, you know, I just really go in there with a smile and say, hey, can we, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. And there are some people that react and some people that don't. But I think that what you're doing and continue to do, even in the, <laughs> even with the challenges, <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I guess it would be your Jesus walk. So it's kind of like, what would you say to those people that are trying to come in and, and make a difference I think in our community? Stay in your lane. Know mm. that I think one thing I, um, my dad's always been my mentor, and he always tells me, he's like, if you came there for a certain reason to change, then just focus on that. Because you, I mean, because I, you do want to come back to your motherland and be loved by your people. Yeah. And then to come in. Not that not happen. It's like really, I get loved by the Mexican community. <laughs> you know, like California. And my in um, a quote that my dad told me that like woke me up was he said Jesus wasn't a prophet in his own country. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he oh, he told me that, and that just again he said I was also not Jesus, but <laughs> <laughs> but it just reminds you like it's the hardest with your own people. Because you, you grew up with the same tools. You grew yeah. up with the same background. Yet you want to give back. Yeah. And people always think it's a reflection. Like, why aren't you giving back? But it's not that. Some of us were meant to do this work. Yeah. And some not. Same as survivors. Today, we, you know, I had a talk today. And my um, the person in the audience was like, oh, my friend. I want my friend to speak. She's been, she was molested or DV. And I was like, you can't just make someone speak. She said, like, oh, no, yeah. but that's what we need. From my from my talk, and I was like, no, 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 not everyone's meant for this. There's reasons why yeah. people are in their spaces. Some people don't feel safe. Yeah, and they're not. Yeah, definitely. I think that's another thing that needs to happen in our community mm -hmm. is that we have to have that discussion as to why don't people leave or why don't people do something to protect themselves. It's like, hey, the brain goes into fight or flight, and sometimes you just freeze, and sometimes you definitely can leave those situations, but it's different for every single person and to expect that in your right mind to act that way in a traumatic situation, it's unreal. It's unreal. And so those discussions of uh, thinking that the victim should speak out and think justice is different for everybody. And sometimes justice can be like, I just want to heal. Mm -hmm. And part of that may be that I don't talk to anybody about it. Part of it is that I go and I do criminal activity or, uh, you know, do legal activities where I go and put this person behind bars and I go to court and I do all that. And 
Some other times they stay because of economic reasons. There's a whole variety of reasons as to why people stay or why they don't want to speak out on it. And, and when you're in the room with a victim or a survivor, I think that it's important people understand in order for them to become thrivers, we need to be okay with how they're moving forward, what they need for wellness and all that. I think and that's an, uh, our biggest issue is that we don't know how to respond correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just mm-hmm. a quick, like you said, yeah. quick to be like, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Or like, it's that easy. Yeah. And it's not. And we I, don't have enough, like, you know how we talk about data and stuff. We don't have enough um, mm-hmm. people coming forward to be like, well, here, this, this, this is the healthy choices that this person has been through. No, we don't. There, I've seen data, particularly from Samoa, that they've done through the UN and who, where they are able to identify like uh, the number of rape times women were raped or beaten in certain situations. But as far as like a count, it's hard to, it's hard to understand in the entire population, Mm -hmm. how many women were, Mm -hmm. have reported rape or, you know, we can't do that like they do in the States. And definitely we need to work on that um, moving forward. So, I guess the other thing I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about is what is the best or your most favorite thing that you do with your organization? I think working with the youth. That's why I stay with the youth. It's always something that I love doing just because I grew up like them. Yeah. You know, I grew up straight Samoan. As much as I am from America, doesn't make any difference of having Samoan parents. They will always make you feel like you live in Samoa no matter where you're at. So I think when I look at them, I, I rem- it reminds me of me. And I wish I had someone like me. And that's probably something like, you know, a quote that I always hear is, be the adult that you needed, you know, as a child. So I want to be that. Like, I wish I had someone cool that came in that told me about all these taboo issues. In a way, it wasn't scary or hurtful. It was actually peace and healing. And I feel like I'm that person. I like that. I like that. And then, you know, you do so many different activities and workshops and you do the poetry slam here in American Samoa for us. What is your most favorite activity to do with the youth? I think Poetry Slam. That is my favorite. Um, I did Poetry Slam back in California. And then I always say this, I don't know if you believe it or not, but America Samoa saved me. At the time I was on that Jesus walk and I was like, (laughs) I can't do this. (laughs) I can't do this. It's the time that you guys emailed me to come over. And people get me more here because American Samoa, people traveled compared to Samoa and I, I felt like, oh, this is like my home more than it is Samoa. As much as I'm rooted there, everybody gets me more here. I get way more support here. From the plane to here, I always get support. People see me, Dora, someone give you lunch. I love the work you're doing. We have that kind of conversation here. It's not so much there yet where they know how to like approach someone like, hey, great work. They might feel it, but they'll never say it. And I I definitely believe because you are from the US. Yeah. Your, yeah, definitely the lingo and the language that you that you have, and then as well as the kids that are raised here are much more U.S. I yeah, think. and it's been, it's been great. Like I remember the first workshop I ever did, and I was um, I came with the idea that no one knew. I mean, I, they probably knew about poetry slam, but there was kids that already had poetry. They yeah. just didn't know where to put it. And I still remember um, one of the students from Leone. He had like a hundred poems. Yeah. And I was like, what are we going to do with this? He was like, well, I was going to go military next year. Wow. It was just something he would want to do. And even though he wrote it, 
I didn't know how he would do speaking it. And he was way 10 times better than his just having it on a piece of paper. He spoke so well when he did his poetry slam. Wow. And I think that that's another good cue into what we do together yeah. as the Alliance and uh, as Brown Girl Woke is that, you know, the work that we do for domestic violence and sexual assault, we recognize the trauma and we want to give all these safe spaces and create brave spaces for particularly the youth to heal from any type of drama or violence that they see. So this, doing the poetry slam is really big. And then, you know, if you could envision what we would do in the future moving forward, because I know that poetry slam could grow big. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about the mm -hmm. first Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that you think that we can do? I've been pushing, yeah, I've been pushing emails to the the internationals poetry slam that's in Hawaii every year. Wow. My friend actually runs it. Oh, wow. And like, I mean, Emma, she hasn't responded to me. So I feel like I had to go to Hawaii. She's in Hawaii. Okay. And she runs the international, um, the international poetry slam. And I think Guam goes to it because the person that also headed the thing is mm -hmm. from Guam. So I'm trying to bring American Samoa in there so the kids nice. could travel there. And it's called Brave Voices. Oh, no. So okay, it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be great. I and think... it gets on HBO. Wow. Can you imagine having our kids? Oh my gosh, that would be an excellent platform. But they haven't been doing anything for the last for this last year. Yeah. So I don't know if it just shut down, but I want them to be going to the US and competing or just doing their story so people get could hear it more and to be on HBO. Yeah, I mean it's great to be on HBO. I think he has a broader platform, yeah. right? And then many more some ones who are also impacted or any other Pacific Islander kids that are impacted with uh the trauma or other issues discussed through poetry slam, they can identify with somebody and then hopefully find the healing that they that they need. And that's why I love poetry slam because if even if you watch it and kids that never heard of it, they know it's a positive thing. Yeah. They don't take when I come in as poetry slam as something where I'm gonna, you know, say, you know, F the system or go against <laughs> they know that they gotta talk about what's not working. Yeah. But at the then and have a solution and have it be peaceful. And it's always been like that. I haven't yet to have a piece for many of the students where it was hatred through through the whole thing. And there Mike was light. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> like, okay, that was our last poetry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Doris. <laughs> Go back to Pia. Go back to Jesus walk. <laughs> Start over. I think we're gonna put you on the grass. <laughs> Poor Doris. Well, thank you so much for um for coming with us or coming on this journey with us, this new podcast. And I know that you've been doing podcasts. So if you could give us an advice or no, suggestion on this. No, this is great. Like always getting um, great speakers as well is helpful. And then cool. have, and then just posting it. We don't have a lot of U.S. Samoan podcasts. When you look it up, it's always people from New Zealand, yeah. other places. So it's, and there's, I don't think there's a podcast here in American Samoa. Not that I'm aware of, but yeah. we're going to find out. Yes. Huh? <laughs> Hopefully we'll be the mothership. But if we're not, we're okay with that, right? Yes. We just add on to it. But the other thing I wanted to ask you real quick before we end was, is that have you ever had a difficulty with the language with, um, you know, not being able to speak someone fully? Because I'm of that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm there too. Um, no, you know what? I always know that people are going to bring that up to me and I know ever wanted to defeat me. So okay. I've been to places where... Doris, so how are you going to do this if you don't speak Samoan well? I was like, I'm here working with people, the collaboration. My students are with me. They speak Samoan. And if anything, that'll help them understand 
how to whatever I say. Yeah. When they um, what you call it translate into someone, they'll understand what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because you want this work to keep on going through it's, the youth. Yeah, I just got yeah, yeah. definitely because you want to make sure they can decipher it, yeah. analyze it, and then say it back in their language. And they get it all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing that people always throw at me yeah. here is like, I'm probably the number one thing. And I always say that to them. Yeah. I'm always like, yeah, I know that. But I'm also here with, I'm like, I have mentors with me and I want my students to be able to give back. Because at the end of the day, I'm from America and they grew up here. So they should be, there should be the local buy-in. Yeah, there should be. definitely. And I think also there's such pride in knowing our culture and our language, mm-hmm. which I'm grateful that they have that there is such pride in the language. And so that's one of the things that I get tasked on is like, you should be speaking more. And I would love to do that. But there's a, the other part is that sometimes it's, you know, when you come with an accent or when you try to speak mm-hmm. it, it's not always well received. And we can be our harshest critics, as you know. Yes. And so what I try to do is encourage myself to speak, um, to speak some someone, but, you know, it is what it is, and we try the best that we can, right? Yes. But I just wanted to definitely thank Doris for being here with us from Brown Girl Woke and uh, grateful for all the work that you do, and I'm so grateful for the partnership that we have. And um, No, and I thank you guys for having me, for saving me. I say that all the time, but I don't think you guys realize that. Thank you for making sure I wasn't back on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're never on the cross with us. You're always on the walk with us. I think your times were all always on the Jesus walk. But so thanks again for listening. We're grateful that you're here with us and we want you to join us on our future podcasts. And if you have any questions, you can we'll go ahead and make sure that you can connect with us. But thanks again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>